Welcome to the Humanity Matters Podcast, where we discuss philosophy, faith, leadership, nonprofits, and a host of social issues. We want to add value and understanding the dignity and freedom of human beings. For more information, visit the website, philipfletcher.org. And now, the Humanity Matters Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Dr. Philip Fletcher here, and opportunity to go over uh, some important legislation that is coming out of uh, Washington, D.C. I've tried to uh, make an effort to provide everybody just some uh, information and insight about what is going on with our uh, elected officials. And so recently, uh, new uh, legislation was proposed coming out of the House of Representatives. Now, remember, uh, we have three branches of government. We have the executive branch, and that's the president led by the president of the United States, uh, Donald J. Trump. And then we have the Congress, and the Congress is made up of two houses. It's the House of Representatives, led by the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and then we have uh, the Senate, which is led by uh, Senator Mitch McConsel- McConnell. Miss Pelosi is from California. McConnell, he is from uh, the state of Kentucky, my home state, as a matter of fact. California being my second home state, so representation on both sides. Uh, And then we've got the judicial branch, which is the Supreme Court. And that's where every law is tested to see if it passes the muster of the Supreme Court. So uh, with that, the executive executes the laws. It's the president of the United States, right? Uh, The Congress produces those laws. And so debate happens uh, in the House uh, debate happens in the Senate. They make up their minds. They come up to some agreement and they send it to uh, the president for final approval. He can sign it or veto it. They can override it, send it back to him, becomes law. Uh, the uh, money aspect comes out of the House, not the Senate, but the House. It's the people's House. And so the House, uh, which is democratically controlled, uh, the Senate is Republican uh, majority. Uh, the House has a bill that is going to be under consideration that was produced by uh, Congressman Ryan and uh, Congressman, uh, the, the name is uh, Cole Rana. Uh, excuse me if I mess his name up. Uh, but they have produced a bill uh, essentially to address more of the financial issues that are going on uh, in our good old United States. And this bill, I am going to copy and paste it for y'all. Boom. In my comment section, and y'all can check it out and you can uh, read along with me. So the layout of this bill, It's 11 pages to start with, so it's a short bill uh, for right now, but it's 11 pages. And uh, this bill is titled, or it's the act may be cited as, quote, Emergency Money for the People Act, close quote. And that's on the first page. It hasn't been given a number yet, so you'll see on that bill, it's just an HR uh, with a blank, and then it's a bill. You see it's coming out of the House of Representatives and... Uh, It's been introduced by Mr. Ryan. All right. So there that is. So before we get started digging in, digging deep to this bill, if you got a question about this bill, hey, hit me up, put it in the comment section. Uh, This is the Humanity Matters podcast where we talk about faith, leadership, nonprofits and social issues. Uh, My desire is to engage with ideas so that we can flourish as uh, free human beings. Beautiful, right? So everyone's got a vision. Everybody's got a vision. Everybody has got a vision 
of what life is supposed to look like here in America. We've got approximately 328,200,000 beautiful souls that live here in America, plus those souls who are not accounted for. All right. Speaking of my uh, immigrant brothers and sisters who are out there. All right. But at least 328,200,000 individual visions of what America could look like. Right. And then obviously we got three hundred twenty eight million two hundred thousand visions of their own individual lives or family lives. OK, but legislators. So these are the men and women that we vote in office, whether the city level, the state county level, state level, the federal level. Hey, they have the opportunity to do something that that's normal. Everyday people can't do. They have the opportunity to enact their vision and have the force of law behind it. Okay, they have a view of they see the world as it is or they see America as it is. And vision says this is how I want the world to be. Right. So we would hope that if for a person to bring about his or her vision, that they would seek to persuade people. Right. They would give speeches, education, you know, one on one meetings with people and they will provide a compelling reason as to why we should agree with and help them implement their vision, right? That's through persuasion. But as I, if you've listened to me at any time, sometimes people want to enact their vision through law or force, okay? Um, and that happens a lot across the world. It's happened a lot throughout history. So there's two ways you can bring about a vision, right? Uh, through persuasion that takes longer. It's difficult. It's hard. You may fall on your face. You may be the only one, right? Or you can say, hey, y'all know what? We're going to enact this vision and you're going to pay for it. And if you don't want to pay for it, you know, then there's a penalty, for you not wanting to participate in the carrying out of this vision. So the COVID situation, the lockdowns, the quarantines, and everything that is going on the last uh, few months here in 2020 has provided a situation in which these men and women, these elected officials have had the opportunity to articulate, and in some cases sign through executive order, their vision for the public good. You know, they have these justifications as to why these things are to happen. All right. They have a vision. They have a vision for their city. They have a vision for their state. They have a vision for the nation. OK. And most of the time what I've seen. OK. It hasn't been done through persuasion, but has been done through force. All right. Or the threat of something. All right or through some type of shame. And you can go through my previous media here on Facebook or on my podcast and you hear us talk about that. But the justification they use is that this vision is necessary because it's for the public good. All right, so you've got uh, Mr. Ryan and some others who have introduced this legislation called the Emergency Money for the People Act. So again, this is 11 pages, 11 pages. And so I'm just going to go through this bill. All right. I would encourage you reach out to your congressman or woman and have them walk you through this bill and have them interrogate this bill with you. Okay. Uh, ask them what aspects of this bill they support, what aspects of this bill they reject, uh, what aspects of this bill need some type of modification. All right. I am just going to, as I've done the previous, as we did with the CARE Act, as we did with uh, all those other bills the previous weeks, we're just going to walk through this. I got some uh, questions about this bill and then hopefully that you are an informed person and then you can go forward and ask your elected representative, hey, what's going on with this bill? OK, because as much as you say you don't want to deal with politics, I hope what you have learned is this. You may not care about politics and what's going on in Washington or the capital of where you live, but guess what? It cares about you. 
It cares about you and it makes decisions for you. And it should not be the case. So let's go through this bill. This is Dr. Philip Fletcher, the Humanity Matters Podcast. Uh, if you got a question, you can email humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. Put a comment in the Facebook section. Session. Um, we are going over the Emergency Money for the People Act that was introduced into uh, the House of Representatives uh, by Congressman Ryan. So here we go. So what this is, the Emergency Money for the People Act, okay, it, the goal is to make direct payments to eligible individuals for a, in maximum 12-month period. So whenever this becomes law, t- for 12 months, a maximum, this will become law. At a minimum, six months, all right? Uh, so in section two, uh, number two, it says a beginning date, the payments for the first of such months shall be distributed within 14 days after the date of the enactment of this act. So once the president of the United States, if the president of the United States was to sign this legislation into law as it is, it passes the House as it is, it passes the Senate as it is, and then it goes to the president's desk, and he passes it as it is, you know, this, you know, perfect world, okay? Uh, within 14 days of that passage, this would, people would start receiving payments, all right? So number three, okay, I put the link for this bill in my comment section so you can follow along with me. Don't believe what I say, it's there in black and white, okay? Because if it were to pass as is, don't be surprised when you read some article on New York Times or the Washington Post or the Washington Examiner or you're watching CNN or Fox or whatever your your news source is or on Twitter or on Facebook. Don't be surprised, right, about who gets what, who doesn't get what, who's excluded, who's included, because the information is right here. Okay, so payment period. The term payment period, the term payment period means the 12-month period beginning with the first month which the secretary makes a payment under paragraph one. So 14 days after it becomes signed into law, unless as of the end of the six month, that's a typo. They should have put unless at the end of six months of the such period, the employment to population ratio for people ages 16 and over is greater than 60%. So in, so in other words, okay, they will look at this as six months. And if 60% of workable people between the ages of 16 and over, all right, are working in the United States, so employment to population ratio, okay, uh, this plan will end. Now, if it doesn't hit that threshold, it will go on to the 12-month period, okay? Now, it will be paid in different ways. That's number four. So direct deposit, check, prepaid debit card, um, or electronic transfer of payments through uh, electronic transfer application. That's the way these payments would be received if this were to be passed in the law. I will keep saying that right now. This was just introduced. It has to pass through the House. All right. And then it has to pass through the Senate. And then it has to be signed by the president. That's how a bill becomes law. Schoolhouse rock, right? Okay, so eligible individuals. So now we are on page uh, three. All right, now pay attention because a lot of people got in their nerves because uh, persons who are not citizens, all right, were not getting the stimulus checks that people are starting to get today. All right, but it was always in the legislation who was going to get it and who wasn't. So you can't be mad if you're not reading it, all right? So I'm sharing with you again who's able to get this, all right? So on page three, if this were to pass, it says this. A, who, excuse me, number one, in general, the term, quote, eligible individual, close quote, means any individual who is a citizen or resident of the United States or 
is described in paragraph four, all right, who as of January 1, 2020, has attained the age of 16. So let's stop right there. So you have to be a United States citizen or a resident. So legal status, all right? Second, you have to be 16 as of January 1, 2020, all right? So if you're 15 right now, all right, and you don't turn 16 till January 1, 2021, I'm not talking to you, all right? This is, if you turn 16 as of January 1, 2020, you would be eligible for this. So 16 is the bottom, like 16, like you just learned to drive, 16, like you can like babysit people, 16, you can go get a job at McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or in and out, you know, in them places, 16. All right. Now, there's an income level as well. So we've got citizenship. We've got age. Now, next is income. Does not exceed the threshold amount for the taxable year beginning in 2019. We'll get to what that is. Or who will not exceed the threshold amount for the first taxable year beginning in 2020. Determined on the basis of two consecutive months of such taxable year and annualized. So in other words, two paychecks or excuse me, two months of paychecks. All right. So there's a special rule for married folks. So they'll be considered joining uh, filing jointly your taxes. So they're looking at 2019, 2020. All right. But they'll also get off your tax information for 2018. If you have not filed yet for 2019, you still got time to file for 2019. They extended it. Go to IRS.gov. And you can check it out. All right. So let's keep reading. We are going through the bill. Uh, this is the HR bill. Uh, I've posted at the top of my Facebook comments link. You can click on that and you can follow along uh, with me. OK, now there is a qualification in here. And I think. You know, some people are trying to like make up for what happened in the CARES Act. So you know how I mentioned the people that would be eligible for this are citizens and residents. All right. So you go to page four at the very bottom beginning, little four. Okay. Uh, special rule for individuals in the United States continuously since the declaration of the national emergency. All right. That was the national emergency declared by... President Donald J. Trump. Who are these people? All right. An individual is described in this paragraph if the individual is not a citizen or resident of the United States. So you qualify. And here's the qualification has been physically present in the United States continuously since January 27th, 2020. That's the effective date of the public health emergency declared pursuant Section 319 of the Public Health Service Act uh, resulting from COVID-19 pandemic and continue, continues to be physically present in the United States throughout the duration of the payment period. So let's just be clear who they're trying to cover. They're trying to cover those uh, individuals who are not who have not attained legal status. All right. So this is for a whole bunch of people, not just who I opened up and mentioned, all right? So they put this in here as well. So it's U.S. citizens and residents, but also non-U.S. citizens and residents who have been in here continuously since the National Declaration of Emergency of January 27, 2020, okay? Now they go down here and qualify in paragraph B, break in presence for purposes of subparagraph A, II, an individual shall be considered to have failed to maintain continuous physical presence in the United States if the individual has departed from the United States for any period exceeding 90 days or for any periods in the aggregate exceeding 180 days. All right. So if you've got a break that exceeds 90 days, all right, you, you ain't getting that. All right. So we can. That's just the information that's put out there. All right. That's just the information that's been put out there in this bill. OK, so we're going to continue on to page six. Now the money. All right. So how much is this? 
So, amount of payment. So we're on page six, number one. In general, the amount of each payment under subsection A shall be, except as provided in subparagraph B, $2,000 in the case of an individual described in subsection B1. Okay? So an individual can receive at least, all right, $2,000. $4,000 made jointly in the case of two individuals filing a joint return for a taxable year beginning in 2019. All right, now if you've got dependents, okay? One child, if a deduction is allowed for one or more dependents on the return for the taxable year beginning in 2019, the amount in paragraph one shall be increased by $500. In the case of a return for which one deduction is allowed under section 151C of the Internal Revenue Code of 1986. All right, so if you got a child, all right, you're a single mom or a single dad, all right, you'll get $2,000 per month plus $500 for your one child. So that's a total of $2,500 per month for at least six months or 12 months. Remember, it's the, that six-month period, if 60% of the United States has employability, people are working, you know, then the program, from what we're reading here, it stops. But if not, it goes on for 12 months. But at a minimum, if you're a single person with a kid, $2,500. If you're married with a kid, it's then $4,500. Okay. Well, what if you got three kids? All right. Oh, we're going to get to that in a second, Nicole. They, they respond to that. All right. Three or more children. Okay. In the case of deductions allowed for three or more dependents on the return for the taxable year being beginning in 2019, subparagraph A shall be applied by substituting $1,500 for $500. So what they're essentially saying is this. If for every child you get $500 up to three kids. All right. If you have three or more kids, then it's just going to be a flat $1,500. So if you've got eight kids in your house, all right, it's just going to be what you're, if you're married, it'll be $4,000 plus $1,500. If you're single and you got eight kids, all right, it's $2,000 plus $1,500. Okay. All righty. So let's keep on rocking here. Okay. So phasing out. So there's, you remember I talked about thresholds, right? So there's two thresholds we're going to be looking at, okay? Uh, one for individuals who are individuals and one for those who are filing jointly, okay? So in general, the amount of payments specified in paragraph one shall be reduced, but not below zero, all right? By five percentage points for each $1,000 or fraction thereof by which the taxpayer's adjusted gross income exceeds the threshold amount. So if you're an individual and you're bringing your your taxable gross is $130,000, all right? Then you get the $2,000. But if you make $131,000, it drops by 5 percentage points. If you make $132,000, it drops another 5 percentage points, okay? But won't drop below that so that $2,000 drops by 5% for every $1,000, it drops by 5%, but it can't hit the zero, okay? Uh, threshold amount. So they define the threshold amount, okay? $130,000 in the case of an individual who filed a separate return for the taxable year beginning in 2019. If you're filing jointly, obviously, $260,000 in the case of individuals treated uh, as one person under subsection C2 who filed a joint return for the taxable year in 2019. All righty. So this is Dr. Philip Fletcher with the Humanity Matters podcast, and we are going through the uh, bill that was just proposed in the House of Representatives called the Emergency Money for the People Act. And this is legislation that is seeking to provide uh, more Uh, monthly payments for Americans as a result of the coronavirus. This was uh, submitted by uh, Congressman Ryan and another Congressman uh, Kahana out of California. 
All right. And so we have gone through what it is, uh, what the payments could be, who is going to be uh, eligible as well. And so as we are going through this, if you got a question, just put it in the comment section. Uh, you can also send me a question at humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. Find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter and Instagram, all that good stuff. Just put in Dr. Philip Fletcher. So uh, we are continuing on here at the scroll back down. So we talked about payments, talked about the amount of payments, 2,000 individual, 4,000 jointly, 500 for each child up to three kids. You've got three or more kids and this would be a flat uh, $1,500. And so as we uh, continue on, we're going to page nine. Okay. So we'll start at the bottom of page eight. All right. Citizens or residents. Okay. So again, they define the term citizen or residents of the United States means a citizen or resident as such terms are used in section 7701 of the Internal Revenue Code of the United States. They define the United States as concluding the several states, the D.C. area, American Samoa, Guam, uh, the Mariana Islands, Puerto Rico, and the Virgin Islands. Okay. Uh, let's see. What else? Okay. Payment. So this income. Okay. Will have no bearing on income requirements related to other federal programs. So on page 10, it says, notwithstanding any other provision of law, any payment made to any individual under this section shall not be taken into account as income or income maintenance and shall not be taken into account as resources for a period of 12 months from receipt for purposes of determining the eligibility of such individuals or any other individual for benefits or assistance under the federal program or under any state or local program financed in whole or in part with federal funds. So in other words, if you're an individual that has to um, go to uh, receive some type of benefits like supplemental nutrition assistance program or TANF, any of those kind of things where you got to report income, you don't have to report, you would not have to report this income Thereby, in essence, you're receiving this $2,000 a month if you're an individual, $4,000 as a joint, plus those benefits you're already getting. I mean, I don't know what benefits you get. You know, it depends on household size and some other things as well. But whatever you're getting now, plus that $2,000. Okay? All righty. So it's not taxable. Now, let's see here. Make sure I get my questions yet before we dig into uh, some stuff here. All right. All right. Somebody asked a question about their college kids, and I will give you that information if you give me uh, just one second here, and I will give you uh, that information. Okay. So please be patient with me. It's 11 pages, but you know, it's small writing. So you gotta be able to find it. So I'm going to do a college search. All right. All right. So other possible recipients. All right. I hope y'all having a good day. Hope y'all got outside. If you live in Arkansas, it was like a beautiful day today. So I know I got outside and enjoyed, uh, did a little bit of running and all that kind of good stuff. And so uh, it was good. You know, that page is on here and I will find it as we're going through it. So I owe you that question, Nicole. Sister, okay, I'll get it to you. All right, so let's keep reading. Uh, so since my 16-year-old is old enough for a check, will we get $1,000 for our other two kids and my 16-year-old will get her own check? So how this reads is, again, uh, Miss McPeters, 
uh, in your household, okay? If you file your taxes jointly, okay, you would receive $4,000. If this were to pass as it is, let me continue to be clear about this. If this were to pass as it is written in the House, and if it were to pass in the Senate as it's written, and if it were to be signed into law by the president as it is written, okay, uh, a household that filed jointly would receive $4,000. If you have a teenager who is 16 at the time of January 1, 2020, that teenager in the house would receive $2,000, okay? But you also, since you have three kids in the house, okay, you would receive $1,500. So in your one house, somebody could do some math for me, that's $4,000, that's another $1,500, that's another $2,000. So that's $6,000, that's $7,500, either for a six-month period or through a 12-month period. $7,500 for either a six-month period or a 12-month period. All right. So I hope that answers your question. Again, I qualify if it were to pass as it is written out of the House, pass as it is written out of the Senate, and sign into law as it is written by the President of the United States. Okay. So Mary Singleton asks, will this cover will this cover Social Security recipients? Okay, again, so I opened up with eligible individuals, okay? So let's hear this again, all right? The term eligible individual means any individual who is a citizen or resident of the United States or is described in paragraph four, who as of January 1, 2020 has attained the age of 16. All right. So will this cover your social security rep recipients, Ms. Singleton? Yes, it will. All right. And you do not have to report this as income. All right. All righty. So I am continuing on to read. I really want to find that question, that answer regarding the college students, because I read it because it addressed uh, college students as also uh, those who are uh, in some type of disability. OK, uh, that may be on their actual press release. So I have to go out there and look for it, but I'll make sure to share that with you. OK. So where is all this money going to come from? Good question, Thomas. It's going to come from you and me. All right, but we'll get there. Okay, so I did some digging. All right, like I said, uh, everyone's got a vision for America, okay? And there are 328 million types of persons, okay? Okay. Uh, Oh, Miss Mary, you know, if this were to pass, there's a provision in here to create an application for people that don't pay taxes so they could get this. So they're trying to make sure everybody covered. All right. Uh, but everybody's got a vision. Um, yeah, everybody's got a vision. But legislature, legislators have the opportunity to bring about their vision through the force of law. All right. And that's just uh, what it is. That's just what it is. All right. So I did some digging. I just wanted to look at the 16 year olds. All right. Because, you know, that's some information that I could just readily get. So I went to um, the let me bring this up. The enrollment. And this is through the National Center for the Education Statistics. OK. And their last numbers were put out in 20. 17. So what I had to do was look at the seventh graders. OK. And basically, you know, press forward, you know, you know, kids pass away and that's sad and kids move and, you know, things like that. You know, kids fall off. Uh, they, you know, get homeschooled or anything like something like that. But for the public 
elementary and secondary schools by level and grade. All right. So I looked at the number of potential 16 year olds as of January 1, 2020. So that is essentially 3.7 million 16 year olds today. And we're just looking at the number of 16-year-olds who are enrolled in public school, all right? That's 3.7 million uh, kids, all right? And I'm going to post that link uh, where I got my information from right here, all right? Don't want y'all to think I'm making stuff up. So, you know, either I look at... Yep. So, you know, you may have some smart kids, right? They may jump in, jump up some grades or whatever, but we'll look at 3.7 million to be safe. All right. Okay. So here in the state of Arkansas, all right, teens between the ages of 16 and 18. All right. So the number of uh, 16 year olds we have here in Arkansas. All right is approximately 36,000 students, 16-year-olds. And I'm putting just public school, right? I don't know about kids that are homeschooled or not accounting for 16-year-olds in private school. We got two private schools here in Conway, okay? And then, you know, the number of homeschools we've got. But at least here in Arkansas, we've got 36,400 estimated 16-year-olds, all right? Can't account for those who move in, those who leave, so on and so forth. All right. So under the Department of Labor, as far as how kids can work, okay, uh, the Department of Labor says this for the state of Arkansas. All right. Is that kids can work a maximum of eight daily hours. All right. They can work a total of 48 hours within a week, all right? And they can only work six days within a week, all right? Trying to get some numbers here because we're going to go back and look at this $2,000, right, for 16-year-olds. And my big question is this, is your 16-year-old going to make as much money as you? Just asking. If I got a 16-year-old making this much money, they're going to be paying some rent. But I don't have any 16-year-olds, so dang. All right. Now, here's some things that we also know, all right? That there are 365 days in a year, okay? Here in Arkansas, uh, kids have 178 instructional days, okay? So of those 178 instructional days... They're in school for approximately eight hours. I know my daughter, she goes to the high school here. She's there from eight to 3.15, all right? So that's essentially um, seven, eight hours, okay? Uh, so she at least have at least, at least another four hours to work, at least, because they got to be in, they can't work past a certain time either here in the state of Arkansas, all right? So for instance, If my daughter were to work those days she was able to work, the most she can make is $7,120 at the minimum wage for the state of Arkansas, $10. All right. Now, those other 187 days that she's not in school. OK, she can work these eight days. All right. Can't go back six weeks or six days in a week. OK. All right. She can make 14000 one uh, nine hundred and sixty dollars for a total of twenty two thousand and eighty dollars. All right. That's without this plan. Now. With this plan. If my daughter didn't go to work and she was 16. All right. OK. She could make and not go to work. She's just going to school. All right. She can make twenty four thousand dollars a year tax free. Because it's, remember, this income is not reportable. It's not going to be taxed. 
So on this plan, she would make $24,000. Going to work, she would make $22,080. As a 16-year-old. Just as a 16-year-old. All right? But what is she... Now think about this. Where to not only go to work, make that 22,080, but also that 2,000 a month. My 16-year-old daughter could be making $46,000 a year. That's just her living in my house. Okay? All right. This is Dr. Philip Fletcher with the Humanity Matters Podcast, and we are going through this bill uh, to support men and women as a result of the coronavirus. Okay, it has been uh, submitted to the House of Representatives by Congressman Ryan. Uh, The act is called the Emergency Money for the People Act. All right. It is proposing that every American be. Minimum age of 16 on up, citizen, resident, non-citizen, non-resident, all right, is el- would, be, would be eligible for a individual monthly payment of $2,000 a month for six months up to 12 months, depending on the un- unemployment numbers at the six-month ratio. Uh, those who file jointly, $4,000 per month for six months or up to 12 months, plus up to $1,500, depending on the number of kids uh, that you uh, receive, or excuse me, not receive, that you have, okay? So I got some questions, but we're gonna go through uh, your comments because I wanna make sure I catch your comments on uh, the podcast. And so we will start with, uh, Ray Hewitt, that seriously cannot be possible. Where on earth would that money come from? Hey, that's what Thomas said or asked. Okay. Uh, Mary, I answered your question. I do not file taxes, so I was confused. That's no problem, Miss Mary. Uh, the more we get educated, the better we are. All right. Thank you for the response, Thomas. John Keith, yes, owner of Think Coffee. Go check them out on Dave Ward and also on Hark Rider. Great coffee. Uh, too bad my kids are under 16. Guess I'll continue to work the rest of the year. Yes. But at least you, if this were to pass, you would get at least $500 per kid. All right. Have them cut the grass or something. All right. Ray Hewitt, $2,000 a month sounds like a ton of money to us in Arkansas, but it's not as huge as, say, New York City, right? That's correct. That seems like something that should be taken into consideration. Yes, that, yes, that should be. But then you're asking, you know, looking at the cost of living in New York versus the cost of living here in uh, Arkansas. uh, There's got to be a give and take in there if this were to pass. And I don't know how they reconcile that. Uh, John Keith, I know you mentioned the authors of this, but I'm not familiar with the names. Is this Democratic, Republican, or by some crazy chance bipartisan? Uh, John, this is all uh, presented by uh, the Democratic uh, representation in the House. Uh, Mr. Ryan and Conan are both Democrats, um, and they put this bill out, and they had co-sponsors who were all Democrats as well. So... It was not bipartisan. All right. Mary Singleton could donate the excess to support their favorite nonprofits. Possibly, yes. <clears throat> uh, who would need Coho if they're bringing in $3,000 to $5,000 per month? Mm. Okay. All right. Okay. Or since it's our children's debt, we could put it back for their education in the future. All right. All right. So, Questions I've got regarding this bill. So if I was Joe Blow 
sitting in the House of Representatives and I had this bill come across my desk, uh, I would be asking this main question. What is the vision of Congressman Ryan and Congressman Khanna? What type of America do they envision in the six and 12 months past the signing of this legislation? All right. Do you have to be unemployed to get it? Doesn't matter, Amber. If this were to pass, it's eligible to everybody. Okay. All right, it is eligible to everybody. And in fact, let me uh, say this one more time. Okay. Bear with me here. So we deal with the breaking presence information. There's the Breakdown of money on page seven, on page eight. Uh, if you don't have information because you don't file taxes, then you could, there'll be an application set up. All right, it's available to everybody here in uh, the United States. Um, again, if you receive any type of assistance through a federal program, uh, receiving this money would not impede you from continuing to receive that assistance. Okay. All right. And that's the end of the bill. Like I said, I say basically 11 page bill. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if that joker got bigger, but that is so questions I got. So I asked about my vision. All right. One, if at the end of six months, people are rocking and rolling, I mean, people are working, all right? People are, you know, economy is churning, okay? We're back at, you know, 4%, you know, unemployment. You know, I think we were down to three before the corona thing hit. What happens to those people who have not found work for whatever reason, but their last six months has been built on this expansive amount of money? And then it's, taken from them. What then for those individuals? All right. Second question. The legislation identifies those without an address at the end of six months. Then what? So I am reading into that. They're thinking about persons who are homeless. All right. Who are in shelters. All right. They're getting that much money. Okay. And at the end of that, what happens to them? So is it beneficial that the economy gets rocking and rolling quickly in this plan? Or is it more beneficial that this plan gets extended out? And that's why I'll get to the end of what I really think this is. Third question. And John, you're, I'm, you're, I'm thinking about you in, in, in something uh, like this, okay? How does a small business compete with the federal government? So if the federal government is giving out this amount of money to an individual or individuals, right? And they're making this amount of money over a period of time, all right? But the goal is to have like 60% of the population employed. How is a small business supposed to compete with that? Again, if you have a 16-year-old who can stay at home, basically, and make $24,000 a month versus going to a job and working and making $22,000 a year, excuse me, and that $24,000 a year, all right? I mean, how does a small business compete with that? If our small businesses, we always talk about shop local, right? You know, during this you know, if you're in a lockdown or stay at home, support our local businesses and local shops and everything like that. But then it seems like we want to turn around and jam them up by reducing the workforce by giving that potential workforce a lot of money 
that actually that money has to come from individuals who are working. Because remember, this money is not taxed. So where does the money come from to pay for this type of program? Remember that. Tax dollars fund everything about the government. All right? Okay. Let's see. What are the consequences on the preparation for a future workforce among our young persons? So what I'm thinking about is this. You know, I, I know a lot of nonprofits who do mentorship, job programs, you know, college tours, so on and so forth, right? And when we get back to whatever this new normal is going to be, all right, and if this were to pass in that type of world, all right, this world that Ryan and Kahana envision, all right, what does that mean as far as speaking to these young people about work ethic, showing up to a job on time, <coughs> excuse me, so on and so forth. So it's important for us to consider. <clears throat> so this gets into my number six question, excuse me. What will be taxed if this is not taxable income? How this, will this be sustained at a six and 12 month period. <clears throat> what I'm imagining is this. We're talking about vision, right? So you have an individual who's receiving $2,000 a month, not working for whatever reason. And we'll say this is an able-bodied person. But you have somebody else who is working. So they're generating an income, but they're also receiving this $2,000 benefit. The $2,000 they received is not taxed, but the income that they're generating by virtue of their work, getting up every day, going to their job, showing up on time, so on and so forth, that income is being taxed. You have one person getting an income, not, and their income is not being taxed. You have another person who is generating an income and they're being taxed. I would ask you, is that justice? Back to the small businesses and the poor. What will be the consequences on their lives? Well, for small businesses, how will they find work? Depending on the availability of funds to come from the government. They will determine your livelihood again at the end of six months. If, for instance, that's 70, if you have patterned your life for the last six months off of a $7,500 lifestyle and then it's taken away from you, then what? I saw a video about what's going uh, uh, in Georgia. Some people are upset because um, they went to one of those tax filing places um, and uh, they filed their taxes. Uh, and they got early refunds, right? And apparently that place is holding on to their stimulus checks. And there was like a ton of people out there. Like, where's my money? Where's my money? Right? That's a situation I fear. If this were to become law, it's not. It's just a bill in the house. Employment improves at the 60% threshold. Those funds disappear. Would you be prepared for the consequences of such an event? Again, what are the unintended consequences of legislation like this? You know, when you play dominoes, they say all money ain't good money. All right. 
We have to ask ourselves, is all money good money? All right, what's some comments? Uh, I agree, $2,000 a month in Arkansas is enough to keep bills paid for most. If you want more money than that, then work. The $7,500 a month does not give incentive to work. John Keith, we can't compete as businesses. If you offer money for nothing, people do nothing. You enable them and they become dependent on a system that is bent on perpetuating itself, not serving uh, its citizens. So, John, and that's interesting that you say that because based off of Ryan's vision and uh, his fellow congressman Kahana's vision, they believe they are serving citizens. They believe they are serving uh, Americans. Okay. Uh, yeah. So as I conclude, and I hope everybody has learned something from this. Remember, this is a bill proposed in the House. All right. More than likely, it's going to go through a whole bunch of changes or it's going to die. All right. But this won't be the last time this has been proposed. Uh, pay attention to what is happening. Some want to say conspiracy, right? Government's trying to expand its control and reach and tell us what to do with our lives. I would just encourage you to be mindful. Be mindful of what's going on, all right? Pay attention to what is happening in Washington, D.C. Again, I've heard people tell me periodically, I don't want to get involved in politics. Well, you may not want to get involved in politics, but politics is getting involved in your life. And we've seen that with the lockdowns, citations, you know, with going on in Kentucky and Philadelphia, uh, in uh, Michigan, in California, you know, snitches get rewards. You know, uh, we have to pay attention. Also, I speak to my brothers and sisters on the left and the right. And I stand in the middle. And I ask you to pay attention to your government. So if you were mad about your government, Black Lives Matter, about law enforcement, okay? If my green people are mad about the government not doing more about climate change, my education people, if you're mad about the condition and the quality and the population of public schools, and my immigration advocates, if you are upset about kids in cages, your direction, your anger was toward the government. To my people on the right, if you're upset about gun grabs and legislation that deals things like red flag laws and uh, restricting magazine sizes, that was government. My Tea Party people taxed enough already, government. Needing a wall bill to control immigration, government. It, it's the, that's the commonality. It's not the people on the left. It's not the people on the right. Your problem is with the conduct of government and how it is seeking to do things that are not in the best consideration of the men and women and children. We, the people of this United States of America, who formed this government, the government didn't form us. We formed this government and enshrined it in the Constitution of the United States. So I hope everybody learned something. I will post this video. Uh, you can also listen to it on the podcast as well. I re also remind you to remember to be loved, to be kind, to be generous. I will remind you that you are a free individual created in God's image and likeness he is a free being and he made us in his image and likeness and therefore we are free, all right? And we should conduct ourselves in that manner. There is no shame in saying that, all right? We should be able to interact with one another, assemble with one another, worship with one another as we see fit, love who we want to as we see fit. And the role of government is to make sure that nobody takes your life or takes your stuff or destroys your stuff. If they would just do what is written out in the Constitution of the United States, we would be a whole lot better. I'll get off my soapbox on that one. So I appreciate y'all very much. Remember to live in hope and we can do the impossible. Take care and God bless.
Thank you for listening to the Humanity Matters podcast. For more information, visit the website philipfletcher.org or send us an email at humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. And remember, as always, if we remember to live in hope, we can do the impossible. So be love, be kind, and be generous.